did Worf Indiana ever like actually? Yeah, they definitely knocked the boots for sure. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. But they were just, I think they were more friends with benefits and they did date briefly. They tried it and it just clearly it just didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hate to get into the nitty gritty about Klingon physiology, but two dicks. Do they? And we are live with another episode of the Keeg Talks today. The Keeg Talks Star Trek. I'm your host, Demetri Pereira. And if you can see us live, uh, you can see me and you can see our guests. And that means you're watching us on twitch.tv slash the Keeg Show or youtube.com slash the Keeg Show. Or, you know, maybe you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And in that case, I should probably introduce my guests. First up, he's been on uh, the Keeg multiple times. On a lot of star-related episodes, because he was on the Star Girl episode, and then na- uh, now on Star Trek again, we got Gil Barron. Gil, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk about my, about my very favorite thing in the whole world, Star Trek. And you I'm like, searching up you like Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, people might know me as the Trek expert, the the one who enjoys the Star Trek. <laughs> you do you do enjoy Star Trek. Um, yeah, I'm just trying when, to spread that love. I want people to uh, to love it as much as I do. Even when we when we talk comic books, you're like, hey, what about those Star Trek comics, though? Guys, Am I right? This Star Trek reboot they did is so good. Um, we will we'll get into that. There's so much Star Trek content right now. Um, uh, which I have a I have a question I'm going to pose to both of you. But who's the other guest? We got first timer on the key, Lauren Montez herself. The rose explodes. Lauren, welcome. Hi, I too love Star Trek. Do you? So, I do. You, you never would have guessed, but I mean, your background looks like like you would just put a hologram up of anything, really. So, who's to say you do an X Men episode, you put a hologram of X Men? Yeah, exactly. You know, the holodeck is down right now, though, so we've just got the basic grid. Isn't yeah. it always? It's like the ice cream machine at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be never, surprising if it was never there properly. when you need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad to have you, Lauren. Um, you do Star Trek TikToks. I do. And how is that? It's actually so much fun. Tre- uh, Trek Talk, as it's called, is a super welcoming place. And, you know, it allows you to be super creative and do the things that you love and take trending trends that don't really apply to anything about me but make them about star trek and suddenly like you've got a bunch of friends so it's great i love it was it did you start off doing tiktoks about star trek or did you just start off like just generally doing tiktoks and then Um, move into your interests i think let me think back i haven't uh, I, I downloaded it during the early pandemic, you know, because had nothing yeah. else to do. So I, I did that. And I think I I just tried it out and did a couple of things. And I was like, oh, I can do like Star Trek stuff because I had some stuff on my Instagram and I'm a part of the Star Trek community. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do that. And uh, so I started doing Trek content and got some followers from that and realized there was this whole community on TikTok and just kept doing that and I do branch out and do other stuff here and there but it's it's mostly Star Trek because any conversation I have or anything I do usually I end up talking about Star Trek uh are you are you that type of person you and Gil uh, <laughs> you just change conversations to Star Trek 
Well, everything is related to Star Trek. Star Trek covers so much just in regard to society and the way that 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 beings, not only human, uh, but, you know, that beings function. So you can relate almost anything to Star Trek, I think. Yeah, that's entirely true. <laughs> uh, are we, I guess the general question I want to ask both of you, are we in a Star Trek renaissance right now? Have we been in one? Are we getting one? Has it passed? where's the Star Trek renaissance? That's a great question. Um, wait, no, I have to think about it. Gil, you have to go first. Oh, sure. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, I think that we are in the midst. We're maybe in like phase two of the Star Trek resurgence. You know, um, thank God for Paramount Plus bringing, you know, so many shows to the air. But like, you know, the first wave of it was really like, throw it all at the wall, see what sticks. Picard season one and two, which a lot of people were like, okay, this is a little bonkers and a little crazy, or even like Discovery, that's just like, it's just a lot. And um, as much as I enjoy Discovery, um, and the more they do, the more refined it kind of gets. So things like, my personal favorites of the newer Star Trek crop uh, would be, I really love Prodigy, I really love Lower Decks, I really love Strange New Worlds, uh, I love everything they're doing in the comics right now, I think is really great. Um, but I think that we had to go through, it's certainly in under an umbrella of a Star Trek Renaissance because we're getting so much material, which is wonderful, but I really appreciate the creativity of like, let's go a little nuts here and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, and they'll adjust things. Like maybe you saw in Strange New Worlds, they've adjusted the design of the Klingons from what they did on Discovery. Now, I was never a hater of that Klingon design. I thought it was kind of interesting. I knew what they were going for, but like, you know, they're like, okay, well, that was us taking a big swing. Now we're going to like pull it back and do something else. So I do think we are in what I would call phase two of the Renaissance. And I only expect it to get better because we now know that um, Section 31 is going to be a TV movie or an online, uh, you know, streaming movie. And that just opens the possibilities for more things like that, more comics, games, VR, anything that, that could be possible, you know? Yeah. Well, um, as a, as a, like, Star Trek fan, like I'm at like like an eight out of ten. Like I I don't know everything, but like I'm all for you give watching yourself every... credit there. Uh, okay, so <laughs> what do you consider yourself? Are you not ten out of ten, Gil? I'm oh, fifteen out of ten. Okay, <laughs> that was aggressive. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> if you are, then you are. Yeah, be be that. <laughs> Maybe uh, you're an eight out of fifteen. <laughs> okay, I'll be an eight out of fifteen. That's fair. It's like where, like yeah, where what's the threshold? I guess. For, I don't know. We've, we've been uh, trying to get you more into Star Trek. That's my two. We know, we know that you're busy. Like the we know two you're... is what I'm missing, you know? Yeah. Um, is it one? No, we know, we know that you like Star Trek, but we need to make you a Star okay. Trek fan. Now. That's fair. Uh, yeah, James James from Texas, James from TX out there says, I'm seven out of nine. <laughs> uh, out there good. on Twitch. Uh, thank you, James, for that. Um, okay, so maybe I'm not. But I would like to, you know, uh, I, I you do like to be, You're welcome. We were all talking before we started the stream about yeah. how Star Trek is just not a gatekeepy community. Yeah. Or, like, at its best, it's not a gatekeepy community. Yeah. Because yeah. um, we, ha it's this really beautiful show that's about positivity and, um, and philosophy and optimism. And so 
you know, it's just, it's a big tent. Come on in. It's, it's IDIC, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. So we want uh, new people. We want to show you this thing that we've loved and see what you see in it. That's different than what, what I, you know, a 30 plus year fan think about it. Right. I completely agree. And going back to what you were saying about the Renaissance and bringing people in and welcoming people, I think a huge part of what's going on now is having something for literally everyone. You've got, well, you know, unfortunately, Prodigy was um, canceled. So However, bad. that was for kids, you know, yeah. and then we've got uh, people who love the original series. We've got Strange New Worlds. And then we have Discovery for people who like the more cinematic, um, you know, broader scale things so i think right now in this like sec you put it perfectly the second phase of this renaissance we've got something for everyone which is fantastic because there's going to be new people and younger fans coming in so they get to grow up with star trek the same way that a lot of us did i think it's so cool i that's another reason why i love star trek so star trek prodigy because again yeah there's a lot of star trek out right now star trek prodigy prodigy um, being the more younger oriented cartoon show um, just got canceled right mm -hmm. um, with no hope of return are we not thinking nowadays, there's a campaign yeah and I don't think nowadays anything is canceled definitively you know there's right. always a chance that things will come back on another platform so I don't know we'll see yeah, there's uh, always something. It definitely, and I know there was kind of a run on the physical media, and I'm in the same boat. I want to have it just because I, I don't know. This is a broader conversation about the streaming world and the current state of Hollywood, but get that physical media, guys, and make sure you're tweeting yeah. or threading your hashtag save prodigy. Because yep. you know, that's yeah, literally. We're, we're all on threads now, baby. We're on threads, baby. But look, this is. There's such a great history of this with Star Trek. Star Trek was like one of the first big fan campaigns to make sure that the original series stayed on the air, right? The original series only had three seasons, and after season one, they were getting ready to cancel it. And there was a huge, huge write-in campaign um, to keep it going. The power of fandoms, man. Yeah, and, you know, Star Trek is one of those incredible ones that they step up, they jump in. And, you know, the take I've had on Star Trek Prodigy forever is like, let the kids have their Star Trek, you know? Kids should have a good Star Trek. And um, there was a take, this is not my original thought, someone else had this, but they described Prodigy as uh, kids from the Star Wars universe escaping to the Star Trek universe. <laughs> and like, what a perfect way to describe that show because it's literally about kids <clears throat> who were under this like Darth, uh, Darth Vader-like figure and, you know, living in the empire and they discover this ship and they learn about what the federation is and like no that sounds better than this you know crazy constant war thing i was living under you know yeah um and the show ended in such a beautiful place uh, or the the season one at least really ended in a really beautiful place and that finale was really great that whole last arc was so good and i loved uh janeway on it was so good uh, you know um there were there were some bumps early on, but I it really won me over. I've been like uh, I I've been sad not because I've I've watched Prodigy, but I'm sad for the people out there because somebody said that was their way of showing Star Trek to their kids, yeah, and getting them interested in it. And a lot of these franchises, um, they're forgetting that you need an entry level 
like into like like en- entry you know into uh these franchises right marvel needs it star wars needs it star trek needs it if you want to be you know uh uh a, a franchise that lasts till the end of time, you have to keep making entry level pro, uh, projects, right? I suppose that's true. But I also think, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong in your guys' experiences, but when I was a kid, the idea of like what was the real version of something was very important to me as like a five or six year old. Yeah, but it's yeah. the real one, you know? Um, and I think that like at that age, you want to watch whatever the grown-ups watch you know so star wars and star trek at that time they weren't really made for super mature audiences um right and i think that's really what got me into next generation in the first place was it was super kid friendly but it was also like about expanding your mind and you know it's not like there were any curse words but like kids are going to get into whatever their cooler friend or cooler relative, you know, has on TV. So I do agree. There should always be like something for kids, but like a kid is always going to want to watch, you know, whatever the real version is. I I never had a cool friend. (laughs) 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 I did. I did later on. And now all of my friends are super cool. You guys. (laughs) You're Um, just calling out all your friends right now. You're like, I don't have cool friends. All my friends are lame. yeah. I I'm the weird one and I have always been the weird one. But what was your what was your entry point? So weirdly, I I my entry point was was kind of through osmosis because I um stayed at my grandmother's a lot. And so my brother and I would sleep on the pull-out couch in the living room and my grandma would be watching TV and late into the night Star Trek would be on. And so I would just fall asleep listening to Next Generation. And I never really watched it because I was falling asleep, but I was absorbing it the whole time. And then later on, when I decided to watch the series, I was like, I know this episode. Like, I've not seen it, but I know it. And I know these voices and these characters and these relationships. And and it felt like home to me, which my grandmother's house was my home. So it's like, you know, everything about it felt so comfortable and cozy. Um, Yeah. and, And so it just was always kind of in my brain and in my essence I guess and then when I finally was able to observe it with my you know adult brain and eyes it just like became even more of a fundamental part of who I am I'm getting sorry I'm getting emotional I miss my grandma um but she was like secretly my entry point to Star Trek and maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so precious to me and why it means so much but yeah I fully agree with you. I mean, that's also one of the, maybe this isn't the best selling point for like modern nerds about like, oh yeah, go back and watch Next Generation. But it is on some level a white noise machine. Like it is there to like make you feel comfortable. Um, The show, the pace of the show is very deliberate. Um, The arguments are, you know, there's always a a philosophical question and we're going to hear this argument and this argument and we are going to sometimes leave with more questions than answers. But it's like, it's it's about i don't want to say it's about comfort but there's so much comfort in it you know well and it's episodic so you get resolutions every episode except for you know between seasons where they have um yeah yeah that's what they are thank you but i I just meant questions in terms of philosophically right like sometimes uh the the question of the episode you know like uh do these people have a right to exist in whatever way right and the question is like well maybe maybe we have questions maybe there aren't any clean answers but the world was 
about welcoming you in and you can have a thousand different opinions, but we're going to sit and we'll, we're going to talk about it. We don't have to hate each other over these things. You know, one of the greatest lines from Picard season three was, uh, when they get back on the Enterprise D, spoiler alert, and, uh, and Captain Picard's like, I missed the carpet. I was like, yeah, yeah we all kind of missed the carpet. <laughs> the carpet, the carpet is the Star Trek, right? Yeah. Uh, whatever. I, I came at Star Trek, and I, I've mentioned it on previous uh, episodes. I came at Star Trek from a little bit different point of view. Um, when, when I was a kid, my parents aren't sci-fi people. I've been slowly now as an adult trying to get my parents into science fiction. Um, but my parents were never. So what I watched with them were like old reruns of stuff, but it wasn't old reruns of Star Trek. So like, it's not the oldness that would, was a factor. It was like the S Star Trek part. Um, but I got into Star Wars and I got into other geek related stuff through my friends. But friends my age were not talking about Star Trek. This was about the time of Next Generation. It was... It was uh, in my group of friends and I think like in Star Wars related geek communities and whatever, it's just like Star Trek's all talk. It's just like talk, talk, talk. And it's just kind of boring. Um, and I'm not saying it's boring now. What I'm saying is like a kid, I never gave it a shot. I gave it shots as in I roasted it a bunch of times, not knowing what I'm talking about. It was just Star Trek didn't have that entry point for me. Mm -hmm. Um I would have to, you know, take a big leap of faith to start watching Next Generation as a kid. Now, I like Next Generation. That works for me. Um, but what got me into Star Trek is no, it isn't the first J.J. Abrams movie, but it was knowing that the first J.J. Abrams movie was coming out. When I saw the trailer, then I got into, like, watching other series, and then I watched the movie, and then I got way more into Star Trek. So... We have to get you into Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. You guys are you guys Going are you that. guys are bullying me and peer pressuring me. Uh, yeah, I will be what? your bully. Is, is there that are worse things series? that we could be bullying you about? That's true. That's true. I'll do drugs. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, D space nine was drugs for sure. Really yeah, that's is. what the D stands for. Yeah, drug space nine. Um, <laughs> yeah, the way I always describe it to people is next generation is Star Trek 101. That's your basis of everything okay. you need to know. And yeah. space nine is advanced Trek. So yes. it is like, it's a deconstruction, but it also reconstructs, you know? DS9 yeah. is my, my favorite series, hands down, by far. I, <laughs> this whole episode will be about it if you don't stop me. So that's that's yeah, let's let it be about that. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate Lauren the way you like uh, phrase it in uh, opinion terms. It's you're saying it's my favorite. I think it's okay to objectively say it is the best. Yes. However, I don't want to come off as as I don't want to prevent anyone from liking what they like. But if you like something else, that's okay. I just don't agree with you personally. But, but you've seen, I mean, you're in these fan communities a lot, right? Um, you see all these people who have finally checked out Deep Space Nine, and they always are so effusive, and they're so gushing by the end of it. And they're like, yeah. how did I not watch this before? This is definitely the best uh, of all the track. I didn't know it was going to be like this. You know, almost every single week, I'm still on Facebook, but in the Facebook groups, you see it almost every day. You see someone be like, all right, I'm finally watching Deep Space Nine, and you yep. got to go right, like every single day. 
Well, and I think, well, DS9 isn't always comfortable. And I think that's what turns people off of it because it is, it is more, I don't want to say more complex, but it does dive into more complex relationships, especially Mm -hmm. when we're talking about relationships between intergalactic species and things like that. And, and, you know, war and, and the cost of war and diplomatic relationships, which you get some of in the other series as well. And it's, it's well done there too. But the framing in which DS9 does it is so gritty and real and it's not pretty. And I I love the way that they handle it. Poisonally. I you're right. I, you're objectively correct. I will give it a shot. Is it so is it is it the type of show that I'm gonna like from the first episode? Or are you guys the type of fans to recommend their you're like Look, watch the first three seasons. You won't like it. But then after that point, it starts picking up. So I actually, I'm one of those people who I will just start from the beginning if somebody tells me it's good. Because I know that a show needs to, you know, grow its beard. Yeah. A phrase that came from Star Trek. Um, And eventually, after you've watched it, you kind of forget that the bad, quote unquote, like heavy air quotes that the bad episodes were in the first few seasons but then you also start to look back on them with such fondness and and you know it all just is like oh yeah that was actually all really good I just wasn't like prepared for it so I always say start from the beginning if you're willing to but I do have like suggestions of episodes for like specific types of of friends that might be interested just to like get them into it um but you need to just start from the beginning, quite frankly. But you will know that it gets badass when Cisco shaves his head and grows his beard. That's when you're like, all right, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's so growing the beard works for Cisco too. Like well, that's... also shaving his head, though. Okay. Like that because okay. and Cisco is my favorite captain. I love him so much. Um, but yeah, sh- shaved head, goatee, we're ready to go. The okay. war criminal Benjamin Sisko. <laughs> hey, you know what? He did. He what is. He, had to do. he he certainly did what he had to do. That's <laughs> true, and he can live with it. He can live and, with it, and he understands the cost of what he did. That's right. Okay, I will stand um, by that man till the day I die. <laughs> I have yeah. a general question. Go ahead. I have a general question because you are you guys are recommending Deep Space Nine to me and to everyone. If if somebody has not seen anything Star Trek. And understanding the weight of this decision, because if you give them the wrong recommendation... And you start with TNG. You like would recommend said, TNG now in 2023 to and someone who has no idea what Star Trek is, and they will give up on Star Trek if they don't like it. TNG is Star Trek 101, in my personal opinion. In a class. But Are what we about- talking about a series or an episode? A series. Okay. Yeah, if if you they're gonna sit and watch the entire seven, then TNG will give you the oh. basics of all the. <laughs> they could give it up. They could give up on it. I'm. I, I have to put that up. This is real life, right? Well, you said People watch like... the whole series. You said watch the series. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watching the series, you got to watch the whole seven, and that's twenty six episodes a season. That's. No, not... I feel like I don't know. I don't know if this that's months of work. Yeah, I. Uh, <clears throat> you guys get what I'm trying honestly... to get at. Yeah, at this point, honestly, I would say to start with Strange New Worlds because it it has all the modern things that that we are used to and that audiences today expect. And it pays 
homage to the original series and it introduces you to the different types of storylines that we have in all of the series but it's a very comfortable thing for modern audiences to watch so i i I would recommend that one for someone just starting out i I also love strange new worlds yeah i completely agree um yeah it's um it's a throwback story style where it is it has ongoing storylines but every episode is self-contained um Everyone on there is gorgeous. Uh, the uh, too gorgeous. I they keep, are I keep... so attractive. Everybody, well, look. Why? There's why? Some, there's somebody there for everybody. Have you heard of television? <laughs> uh, I'm just. In I don't know. Space, everyone's beautiful. Everyone's beautiful. I mean, in this show specifically, I mean, I think it's been increasing over time. I don't think the original series, uh, like obviously Uhura. But well, humans weren't as attractive in the '60s as they are now. It's just maybe that's what it is. Well, but... they were. It's just a way of like style and and like right. guys weren't as attractive, were they? Maybe I'm. Yeah. I don't know. In like, original series as compared to Paul now, human like like even William Shatner, gorgeous man. Okay, I believe you. Ooh. I'm trusting you with this one. <laughs> For sure. I, I, and for the record, the women were stunning as well. Sometimes yeah, their hair yeah. was a little weird or the makeup was was strange. Like Deanna Troy, her contour too much. But guess what? That was attractive in the 90s. But like she was a beautiful woman. Yeah. Very pretty. I, could, I don't know why I'm so like aggressive. Yeah, what, what is this conversation we're having? I don't um, know. Beautiful on Star Trek is what I'm trying The Strange to New Worlds people are like, um, they're, they're much more like tv attractive you know uh it's it's a it's a different level uh but you know especially Spock. when people talk about like the horniness like star trek has always been pretty horny uh in a lot of ways um but i would call enterprise like the horniest trek it is very specifically in that like early 2000s like post 9 11 like we have to see side boob on every single episode. Like they learned all the wrong lessons from Voyager. Get them in the sonic shower immediately. <laughs> immediately. Can we have a gel bath? Poor Jolene Blaylock. That woman was a Star Trek fan. Jolene Blaylock was a Star Trek fan when was she that started. Paul? Yeah, and she was not when that show ended. I don't blame her. I mean, I don't blame her either. Of, a lot of the women in Star Trek had negative experiences, unfortunately. And thankfully, you know, um, like Terry Farrell and Jerry Ryan s- still love the series and appreciate everybody else. But, you know, a lot of the women didn't have super fantastic experiences, which is unfortunate. But nowadays, yeah. there are more fail safes against that. Thank God. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, yeah. you know, it's uh, what I, one of the things I love on Strange New Worlds is it is a majority female crew, which mm-hmm. I don't know that we've had yet. You know, um, and that's the captain who, you know, if you go back to the first, first, first pilot, one of the first lines of dialogue that Captain Pike says is, I don't know if I can get used to a woman on the bridge. And now, like, you see any individual episode and his entire bridge crew, except for Spock, is all women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Discovery had a had a pretty big female cast, right? Certainly like, bigger than, like, the... Everybody on the bridge. Yeah. I'm trying to remember everybody on the bridge in Discovery. There were I, I didn't... a lot. Yeah. But I, with, with Discovery, I feel like I didn't really get to know and care for so much of the bridge crew, which is yeah. unique for a Star Trek. But I, I think personally, I feel that Discovery was more about the spectacle. Um, And on, I'm going to be real right now. 
it really stressed me out. <laughs> like I enjoyed it and I'm glad that it's there, but I had to be in a specific mindset to watch Discovery because the stakes were always so high and love it if I'm in the mood for it, but it, it was very intense. And and it often focused on the the intensity of what was going on as opposed to the characters that were involved in what was going on. Right. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's so valid. That's exactly right. I think um, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. That's exactly right. It took um, sort of the vibe of the JJ movies. Yes. Which everything was, you know, even when you think you're safe, and now the monster is going to come in, right? Oh, good. I just got out of the boiling, you know, whatever shoot, and now suddenly something's going to suck me out into space. It was like just constant movement, 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 which was the vibe of those movies. Mm-hmm. And I think Discovery uh, really wanted to keep that energy, which is not terrible, but it is its yeah. own. Yeah, thing. some people love that, and I'm glad it's there for them. <laughs> for me, yeah. DS9 is on Paramount Plus. <laughs> um, I, I can like watch Discovery. Discovery. I enjoy Discovery. I definitely, but I still, I'm a Deep Space Nine person. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Dis- Dis- Discovery hinges on whether you like Michael Burnham or not, and I like Michael Burnham. No, like, see, I love Michael Burnham. I, I love her. It's just the stress, the stress. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, Dimitri, because like we still don't necessarily know her, you know? She's, and I think... the, she's like the main person in every single episode. Right. It always and, revolves around her. But you've never had an episode like Data's Day on Discovery. Yes. Right? right. Do you know Data's Day? Do you know this episode from Next Generation? Where? So... No, I'm not asking Dimitri. Oh, I'm I know. Actually, it. I know you do. <laughs> I know it only because Lauren did a TikTok. Uh, oh, perfect. I yeah, did I mean, my it's... top my top favorite comfort episode. Such a comfort Day's episode. On there. Because it is exactly that. It is. There's no. There, there is like an existential threat, but it's not universe ending, right? But it is about what is a normal day in the life of Data, who is our third or fourth lead on the show Mm -hmm. um and you know he's taking care of his cat he's helping his friends deal with their relationship problems he's figuring out about a wedding gift yeah working about a wedding gift he's he's dealing with some sci-fi stuff in the background um and uh and like that's what i think star trek can be at its best is like you can have small slice of life stories that ask you science fiction questions um, and that can just be a comfortable episode, and Discovery hasn't figured out how to do that yet. Guess that being what? Said. Oh, I, I, I would like you to guess, Gil, my comfort DS9 episode. Uh, if Data's Day is like a first like salvo into it. And this is actually my number one Number one. Episode. Can you give me some kind of clue? Like, that's not because maybe thematic or... Oh, I don't think I can without giving it away. But, but, but it falls under that, that. I love like just chilling out episodes. Yeah, uh, the stakes are a little higher, but in a fun way. A fun way. I was gonna say lower decks because it has like it's also um, maybe rascals where they nope. turn into kids. Nope. Maybe the next phase. No, I'm so surprised you're not guessing it. Yeah. No. Sorry. I mean, there's so many to choose from. They're so, they're all so wonderful. Trials and tribulations. Oh, the, from Deep Space Nine. I thought you were talking about Next Generation. I'm sorry. No, wait, did I say Next Gen? Um, maybe I just misheard. 
No. Well, yeah, Trials and Tribulations. I was like, wait a minute, those DS9s? <laughs> no, no, those were, those were next generation episodes. But you're right, yeah, Trials and Tribulations, one of the greatest episodes uh, of all fun. time. Just so fun and so like, hey, we're going to have a fun adventure, guys, you know? Yeah, and the stakes are high stakes in are that one. <laughs> but, but it's so comfortable and sweet, and I love it. Yeah. I have a dentist. Sorry, tangent, if I may. So my dentist, I get very anxious going to the dentist and he's a very sweet man. Um, and he has a setup where you can watch anything you want on the TV that's on a streaming service. And um, so I always watch Trials and Tribulations while I'm getting my teeth cleaned. And it's just, oh, what a terrible thing to relate in your mind. <laughs> You're like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you equate the two so that if you watch it on its own, you just feel it? Well, in clearly it works for Lauren. You know, because <laughs> Star Trek is so powerful that it supersedes the dentist. And, and in life, I can go back and watch it. And it's just star trek and good vibes i don't even think about the dentist but i am always thankful at the dentist that i can watch it there yeah yesterday for the first time i watched a deep space nine episode from season one if wishes were horses so this is the one where rumpelstiltskin shows up and uh some other different like fantasy like just some some characters fantasy start coming to life and it's exactly that like what a silly episode about like yeah, O'Brien was reading Rumpelstiltskin to his daughter, and now he has to deal with Rumpelstiltskin showing up. Like, what a silly, wonderful Star Trek-y thing. Yeah. Um, I've been loving Strange New Worlds. I think it's a very good oh, yeah. entry into this. And, like, it's one of those things that, like, you could watch Strange New Worlds, and then if people really like it, they can start watching the original series. Yes. Because yes. it's like a sequel to it, even though some things aren't going to mesh if that's the thing that really bothers you in this Mm -hmm. life the like the lighting is different or the makeup is different like you have to get over it you know we live in i feel like you're speaking directly to me i i have to be like you and i get over it dude we've been doing podcasts for a couple years now i call myself a continuity whore sure uh, because we have had this conversation right i'm not ripping things apart but i don't think you are to me it needs to make sense somehow i i will i will bend over backwards for it to make sense i i don't need much but i need something right well give an example what are you talking about um oof oof so what i really liked about the jj abrams ones is that they mentioned that it's an alternate timeline and sure. so because oh. of the kelvin timeline i can accept any changes to it now, in the recent, and I know that that Gil really wanted to talk about the Lawn episode of Tomorrow Tomorrow, they mention a backdoor retcon vehicle, in a way uh, uh, that 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 okay. explains why. We talked about this in particular. There's so yeah. in Star Trek lore, in the world building of Star Trek, yes. there were in the 1990s, theoretically, there were or within the history of Star Trek, there were something called the eugenics wars in yes. the 1990s on Earth. And that is what leads into World War Three, which eventually leads to us coming to peace with each other and first contact and all of those things, right? Now, clearly, it's the year 2023 now. The eugenics wars didn't happen, or at least in, or they just didn't happen, right? Because we live in the real world. It just didn't happen. And so this episode, they put in a backdoor way to be like, oh, all of these people playing around with the timeline, people time traveling so much, has pushed back certain events, like 
the temporal or the temporal cold war from enterprise and all sorts of stuff has pushed back stuff so the eugenics wars khan is still a child even like 10 years from now so khan might be born in like 2023 or 2024 or something um so it's just pushing back the timeline after I the second american civil war is that what they said yeah, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Something it's, like that. Okay. Like it, it so doesn't matter to yeah. to think about like like it's so not relevant to the individual story. If you yeah. need to have that like background that it happened somewhere in the past, fine. You know, I'm perfectly fine no prizing the idea that like the eugenics wars happened kind of in secret and they happened. Mm. Like let's pretend that happened and try not to worry about it. Also, things within the series are kind of retconned with a line, like in Trials and Tribulations, for example, yeah. the Klingons, they're like, why do they look different? And Warp is like, we just don't talk about it. Yeah, Right. And <laughs> I certainly didn't need that Enterprise episode where they did an entire episode as to what happened. And there was like an augment virus and whatever. So unnecessary to me. Yeah, personally. but like... You, if something is weird with the timeline, just know there's probably a throwaway line somewhere that explains it. Also, <laughs> not a throwaway line, that it's, but it's, something it's that not real it. life. <laughs> like, it's okay that in that world the eugenics wars happened in the '90s. That is not our world. It is a fictional world, and I don't, I don't want to be one of those people who's like it's just a TV show. I do hate that because what was is that argument? But yeah. But it can be a world that's not our world and say, yeah, in this universe, there were augment wars, eugenics wars in the 90s. Like, I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, and also but... wars, wars in our world impact things in different ways that don't line up, you know, when, when you're thinking of them in a broader scope, they don't line up, you know, ABC, you know, right. the impacts of things are wibbly wobbly. I see, yeah. 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 That's fair. Isn't the point of Star Trek, though, that, like, this is a possible good future that we can have? If we work at it. That's yeah. always the caveat. If we get our shit together, we can have a world where a scarcity is a thing of the past. And we can be cooperative and go to the stars and have a future that's better than our past. Because humanity we fucked up a lot so yeah. if we get it together and start caring about each other and and cooperating we can go to the future but that's the point i mean it's not hey guys time's ticking listeners yeah. start fixing the world right. now but it's not a documentary i mean right you know that someone made an offhand line in space seed mm -hmm. that yeah he left earth in the 1990s Okay, but in real life, like, unless someone was going to have a con and make that happen, it wasn't going to happen. So, like, what are you worried about? What yeah. What is that giving you to know that that was pushed back in time? Because you're just going to have to do it again in 10 years when yeah. that hasn't happened? Like, it just seems silly to me. And when you think about it, I'm sure they have, like, a show Bible where, you know, they show the strings that, that are connected here and there. And maybe things that maybe don't have good continuity in one series will later on so that's something just yeah. something to keep in mind so so you don't get stressed out about like timeline continuity later it might be addressed in other series or it might have been addressed in one line in an episode prior just to yeah. keep an open mind continue yeah. to watch and especially well, uh, watch DS9. all these fandoms have that right like like uh james from texas uh, in the in the in the twitch chat 
twitch.tv slash the keeg show uh says yeah i hate stories that are just trying to fix continuity thing superhero comics do that too much i totally mm -hmm. agree that's my bread and butter is superhero comics but like mm -hmm. like star wars has it any of these franchises that started in the past and have continued to make uh, prod uh projects into the future uh but then also are going back and forth chronologically have mm -hmm. to you know do things um mm -hmm. to try to they're always trying to like fix continuity or explain things that don't need to be explained. Uh, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles uh, doesn't need to exist. I've been watching some of the episodes. Sure. George Lucas didn't need to do that. You don't need to find a reason to explain every little thing. Yeah, why he has the likes, He likes the stuff that he does. I don't, yeah. anything George Lucas does, I don't blame him because it's like, I would go deep with any world that I created, but is it necessary? No. I mean, right. we can use some fixes to American Graffiti while he's at it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's some moments in that movie that are a little questionable. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I don't I don't know, but I get it. I mean, he, he goes back and he, he changes everything, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of these things, even, like X-Men, uh, Marvel comics uh, operate on a sliding timeline, which I feel mm -hmm. like is more... Uh, like Star Trek. Star Trek kind of does a sliding timeline in this respect because things just kind of, you know, move forward and it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice that, you know, before, um, uh, what's the word? Shared universes were a thing. Star Trek had shared universes. Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't questioned and it inspired Stargate to do the same thing and all that stuff. And it all just kind of fit together without having to cross over too much. And yeah. uh yeah, a sliding time scale. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But they're not they're not like cartoon characters where they're not gonna age. So you right. know, you don't need the same kind of X Men sliding time scale where, you know, what are are Gene and Scott about thirty now? I no, no I don't agree with that. I, I have my well, own opinions about X Men. Uh you have to count you count the Marvel comic universe by how old Kitty is then and now. Because that's like yeah, Kitty Pride. Kitty, Kitty started with at thirteen. How old is she so now? she started. Pride? She's she's in her. She's for me the way because I have to keep track of her. The New Mutants, the younger generation. Um, I think Kitty is in her late twenties. Late twenties, okay. I I think mid to late twenties. Just like Nightwing is in his late twenties in, in my opinion, in DC. So you count DC by Nightwing because Robin. So Nightwing and Kitty are a similar age. I think I that's say, a little crazy because I think Nightwing and Spider Man are the same age. Spider Man and Kitty are. Uh, oh no, Spider Man's probably a couple years older than Kitty. Remember, started. With, Dick know. Grayson premiered in nineteen forty or whatever. Right. Well, the DC DC Age of Heroes is longer than Marvel's Age of Heroes. Like clearly. But so, I think that I think that he was 16 at the same time Peter Parker was 16, which is also, by the way, the same time that Iceman was 16 and uh, Human Torch was 16. I can't do the cross universe thing. I can't. Sorry, we got to do it. The, you, no, you, you got to compare each universe. So you started it. You said Dick Grayson is the same age as Kitty Pryde. He is. He is a generation of heroes older than now. Current currently, but yeah, but the generations are different in in DC and Marvel. <laughs> Spider-Man is like two years, three years older than Kitty. Iceman is about Spider-Man's age. Human yeah, Torch so is about Spider-Man's age. Yes, yeah, so like, is Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is the same age as those guys. 
Yeah, but he's been heroing longer because the DC Age of Heroes is long. So, anyway, anyway, he started. He started when he was like eleven. Dick. Yes, Dick. Yeah, yeah. No, I was calling you. No, I'm just. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What was I saying? How was I? I what, we were on Strange New Worlds. I have opinions on tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, I have to get them out. Of okay. Yeah. T- tell us about that episode where. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, you saw it, Dimitri, right? I saw it. Yeah. I'm so up to, I'm up to speed. Okay. So here was generally my issue with it is so it was trying to do a story where thematically um, you can't control the past; you can only control what happens from now on, right? And within the story, spoiler alert: they have the opportunity to go and kill young Khan, to go and kill child Khan. Now, by the way, can I add something for the first time ever? They're getting closer to the actual ethnicity that he should be. I I pointed out in one of the Star Trek groups, hey, his first time he's played by a South Asian. I was wrong. Yeah. Played, played by uh, a Latinx kid. Not so I, South I Asian. was doing I was doing the research into it and I was trying to figure it out. I don't think there's anything conclusive, but yes, yeah. Anyway, sorry. From, okay, from from the kids past um credits he speaks spanish and whatever so my understanding is that he's not south asian at some point it would be great to get a south asian con um his name is con it's just like it's like (laughs) con Singh. con right yeah Yeah, that's his name anyway um so there's an opportunity to kill him now remember this is going into a lot i'm sorry but um the the allegory that the augments are the allegory that the eugenics people are that Uh is an allegory for hitler's dream right it is about eugenics it is about um about the perfect man it is about you know uh breeding imperfections out of humanity the augments are a nazi allegory uh khan is not a good guy there's nothing redeeming about khan he's a bad guy who thinks that you and i shouldn't exist because we are not white right that's I mean, look, he's he's not, but I mean, he doesn't, yeah. because we're not the perfect man, right? Right, this the perfect is, race, right? The perfect yeah. race, the perfect man. Um, and in Strange New Worlds, it was very interesting because Strange New Worlds is particularly trying to make the augments a little bit more of a queer allegory or a trans allegory. And you yeah. saw that in the in the trial episode that we had before Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And I thought that was that was one of my favorite episodes uh, I think I've ever seen. I thought it was really great. And I thought that the allegory came through. Actually, there was also a um, uh, immigrant allegory in there too. So there's a lot in there yep. that was like really really cool. But you do have these two allegories butting up against each other. And the question is, can they coexist? Now, what I love about Star Trek fans is they can hold two two ideas in their minds at the same time, but it it is two opposing ideas, right? You have the exact same allegory, one, but one is Nazis and one is the exact opposite. It's queer people and immigrants, right? But they're using the same people, but like they've created these Illyrians who are a race that sort of, culturally augment themselves so it's a little bit different that's all fine so this episode after this tomorrow and tomorrow they've decided to go back and they have this opportunity to kill baby hitler and the reason they don't is hey it leads to something good but there was a genocide there right and as a jewish person i'm sorry you kill hitler you do it i don't know what how history changes but that's six billion in real life. It's eleven million people, 
die because of this man. In fiction, I don't know how many millions die in the eugenics wars. I don't care. But, like, you kill Hitler. You do it if you have the opportunity. And that's that's a fairly simple one, right? Um, even if it changes the, the, the future. And I guess my my thought is they didn't have to do that story. Like, I know it brings up a lot of things of, like, you know, if you change the past this way, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to go and meet Baby Khan. You don't have to go meet Baby Hitler if you don't want to. Someone's actually writing those stories. You don't have to do that one, you know? Um, and I guess, so here was, I was thinking about the episode from the first season where there's this utopic society and it's like, it's um it's a, uh, a, um, an adaptation of an Ursula K. Le Guin short story where um, the entire utopic society is based on like the killing of a child. Oh yeah, remember this episode? Oh, it was a yeah. really great episode. But this idea was in the Federation. It doesn't matter how good the universe is if it causes one person pain. Then it's not really that moral a society. Right. And that's the lesson we learned from that episode. It was this this futuristic, wonderful, beautiful world. But a child had to die every five years for it to keep running the way it did. Um, And here we are in this episode saying that our utopic society, our Federation future is worth the death of millions. And it just felt so like, I don't know if I can go down this road with you guys, you know? And so it really wasn't my favorite episode for all of those reasons. But one of the things I love about Star Trek is it makes you ask those questions. Even in an episode that I don't like, I still have all this analysis of it. So thoughts, <laughs> go ahead. A uh, couple things. Am I, am I wrong? Uh, so uh, something that we just touched on earlier, actor Desmond Savan is both Latino and South Asian descent. According oh. to the sources, denofgeek.com, as of five days ago. Um, I also tried to look into that and I had come across like, I don't think there's anything conclusive. So if you can trust denofgeek.com, then that, then- then, I'll choose to. You know, um, I mean, it's better than Benedict Cumberbatch. I'll say that, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that was like going backwards. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but I agree. I I see what what you're seeing. And this is the problem with fiction versus- real life and basing things and making allegories and whatnot um one could say the argument of they had to stop the one child from dying on that world is that that world takes place in the present and doesn't fracture time versus anything you do in the past would fracture time unless it was meant to be in the first place mm-hmm. right. right but we, but we live a, here we live right. in this i have so no you're care. saying don't write the episode that way in the first place Regardless of in the universe, yeah, I'd say skip skip that episode. I just am I wrong? Star Trek always asks the like you know again air quotes typical ethical questions, and this is one of the you know most prominent ethical questions. If you could go back in time and kill Hitler, or in this context, Khan, would you and why, or wouldn't you and why not? And I think could. Could Star Trek continue without asking that specific ethical question? Yeah, but it is a new form of media that presents that question within this context. And maybe somebody, not not you and problem like my not myself, uh, because I've seen this question, and I, you know, like even in Doctor Who and things like that, they ask these questions. 
Um, but this puts it within a context that maybe other people are going to think about it. And, you know, is it for me? It's not for me either, but it's there and it's not for us, but this is an ethical question that's important to think about. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that, but in general, I think presenting it is, is, I'm not going to say important, but it is something that that does have to happen in in whatever form of media. Does it have to happen in Star Trek? Not necessarily, but I don't know. That's, yeah. That is a tough one, though. Right. Because the, the, sh- the episode is positing that we don't get to the Star Trek future if we don't go through genocide. And that seems so nihilistic in a way that I don't think of Star Trek. The idea yeah. that, like, no, we have to suffer right now for a future good. And you know what? I'll go can ahead and re- feel it feels Christian in a way that I don't necessarily understand. As, can I re- as a Jewish person that, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, can I reframe? I, I get what you're saying. Can I reframe it? And it's not about <laughs> the suffering that brings us. It's that mankind needs to make their choices, whether they're good or bad. That you're only in charge of your own destiny and you can't take future destiny to change past destiny like you have to or not destiny free will right so you can't take your free will and impose it upon the past like you have to make your decisions everybody has to go through their bad relationship and it sucks but it kind of makes you who you are Mm -hmm. even if it's really bad like i know we want to change the past but can we well the other thing is it's like and my my answer personally to these things are what if I go back and change something and it's way worse you know because that's that's the ultimate fear that like yeah we might be stopping this bad thing but could it open the door for even worse things to happen and more atrocities so it's Mm -hmm. like you know that question should be asked but yeah and I see why it's being asked but yeah there's a Hulu show based off of, I believe it's Stephen King. I, I can't be so sure. It's called 112263. And I can't deal with like alternate World War II histories. I'm oh, not like there. Man in the High Tower. There's there's so oh, much Man in the High like, Tower, yeah. Weird, you know, Nazi fetishization in science. This fiction. isn't Nazis though. 112263 oh. is about the assassination. Oh, of right, right, right. He goes yeah. back in time. It's this constant thing, and there's rules about the time travel where he can't just keep repeating the same thing. Like every time he travels back, he travels to the same point and it resets anything he did. So he goes back and spoiler, he stops the assassination, but it makes the world worse because JFK stayed alive, stayed president. And like things became so much worse in present day. Sure. But he met the love of his life in the past and he had to reset it and not ever have that relationship with her. Is, is that part was I, I, think, I think the Orville did a great episode on this. Um, I think the Orville is such a great like companion piece to all of Star Trek uh, because it's clearly made by people who really love Star Trek. But yeah. They did a great episode where um, one of the characters gets stuck in the past. Ooh. Uh, uh, yeah. And the captain has to go back and bring him back. And yeah, it's just, it's so brutal. It's so it is really, yeah. It's so uh, well done. I was such a fan. Lauren, are you a fan of Orville? I, I saw the first season, but I, I never... Go on to the first and uh, the second and third, because it just gets better. Yeah, I did it, like yeah. it a lot. I just, I don't know why I didn't finish. It's but I goofy won't. in the first couple episodes. It's goofy. Like, I feel I thought like... it was supposed to be goofy the whole time. It does. It, it, it gets less goofy generally, yeah. but it's 
what I love is that it's really in conversation with Star Trek. There are episodes yeah. where the first act is almost like word for word an episode you've seen, and oh. then it goes in a whole different direction. And it's like, this is so smart. Such a great way to, to do it. It's Star Trek fan fiction, but in the best way. Yeah, that's how I see like the Mandalorian and all of the Dave Filoni stuff. Like it's just Star Wars fan fiction that has a budget and really good, like really good, passionate people on it. Yeah. I love things like that. I think a lot of these franchises need people who both love the franchise, but also are okay with progressing the franchise. Because yes. sometimes you get stuck in the past of your own nostalgia and you just spin your wheels. And then that's fan fiction. Like fan fiction to me is just like, Let's just like, let's keep spinning our wheels and not make progress, um, you know? But like <clears throat> this episode of Orville, like I'm trying to boil down the plot. The crew goes back in the past, then they have to leave uh, uh, one of their crew members mm-hmm. behind, mm-hmm. but then they go forward five years. So they're still in the past and the crew member, I think it's five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever. The crew member. Well, they're not able to come back and save him until five years later. So he has now, he has now created an entire life. He's gotten married. He has kids. He thought he was never going back to the future. He's like, I'm going to start a life and like trying to have a quiet, good life. And he's doing really, really well. And they have to go bring him back and erase everything he did. So his life never happened. His unborn child, his unborn child. Right. They go, they go back to earlier to. Stop yeah. that from yeah no. There's a Star Trek episode that's similar to that where somebody gets stuck on the planet and they like end up in a relationship with a woman and and I think it's yeah. the, I think it's in Voyager and I think it's the Doctor. But oh, I was thinking about that Deep Space Nine episode where they crash on the planet and that whole society grows up and they have to decide whether to that's escape where they escape and destroy that whole colony. Yeah. Oh, what a great episode! That's a very Star Trek. Uh, trope only problem yeah 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 orville gets orville gets a lot better because it stays funny i loved it in the beginning too like i just thought it was a a funny goofy time it was a goofy time but they do they get less goofy but they stay funny but it's it's more it's less one-liners and it's more More like situational situational comedy which i like i like that too i i will have to go finish it now orville definitely deserves uh, if not another season, then the respect of the Star Trek fandom. I think it does. I think it has it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough with Seth like, MacFarlane. We, we know you people know? who love it in the Trek community. Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. people seem to really like it. But people yeah. hated it at first. Well, that I because it's Seth MacFarlane. People, people just thought new it was going to be. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, people hated all of the, like, every single Star Trek that has come out, people in the beginning are like, no, this sucks. This isn't like TNG, but it was DS9. Or, like, this isn't like DS9, but it's Voyager, you know, and that stuff happens Yeah, throughout history. I want to know your guys' uh, opinions about Picard. Three seasons, it came, it went. We came, we saw, did we conquer? You know, I I am always thankful for all Star Trek media. I'm going to start with that. And not all of them are for everyone. Um, I, I am glad that Picard revisited characters that we love. The first and second season, a little rough. You know, I, I feel that 
with, with all of the knowledge that we have about Picard and the world, the Star Trek world as a whole, it, it could have been stronger in the first couple seasons had they taken it in a more, I guess, solid direction. I, I feel it was kind of like, oh, we're going to focus on Picard and his his new life and what does it mean to be like an elderly man who was once great and questioning everything that you've done and that's a compelling thing but it, it just didn't feel solidified in the first season and the second season i think the descriptor is bonkers it was just uh it, it was went very off the rails. wild it went off the rails um yeah i agree with all of that um do you guys watch steve shives on uh, on youtube his uh his star trek videos are really good he was not a particular fan of Star Trek season of Picard season three. I liked season three a lot while I was watching. The question that I had while I was watching was, why not the changelings, right? Because you you set up the changelings where you know my girl here, the the female founder, um, you set them up as the big bad, and then like it shifts to the Borg. Spoiler alert. Yes. That's the big twist, is that the yeah. Borg are the big bad guys. And I felt, personally, like we had put the Borg away. The Borg were... I thought after season two, we got rid of, like... Well, we yeah. Mean... I think season two, I think, was the dream season. I think that we can chalk that up to, like, oh, did it happen? Who knows, right? I, I think it's a big dwy, a big don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, don't worry about whether that... I actually... never say skip seasons of anything. Don't you don't need to watch season two of Picard, and I feel bad for saying that, but yeah, it, it doesn't link anything. It doesn't link Nothing. anything. But I also thought we had put the Borg away with the end of Voyager, with multiple oh. novels that had put them away, mm-hmm. with um, f- with First Contact, and, and the founders I, are so insidious. It would have been so good. It could have been great, and like, but I get thematically where they were coming from, right? If this is yeah. the last ride of the Next Generation crew, you want their biggest bad to come back, right? And that is the Borg, and like, I get that, but. Maybe it wasn't super necessary. Maybe not everything has to be thematically tied up in a bow like that. I personally love world building, not necessarily world referencing. And I I actually did enjoy Picard 3. Me too. Um, but I got that that point. There was a lot of people who looked at it like, okay, well, this is a remix of this. Here's a remix of that. Like we brought back uh, Roe just to kill her, which I felt like But but I'm glad. I like, you're right. The conversation, the scene was great. Yeah, but... I'm glad they killed her though, because like so many times it's like, oh, this person died. Just kidding. No, yeah. like we, I lost somebody I loved, and right. I felt sorry. I'm yelling. No, you're not um, wrong. But <laughs> I, I loved that character so much, and which like is, I'm, which is why I'm there's glad so much there. But you bring her back, there's so much potential for that character in many other ways, or you know. But but like I, those are the kinds of important things that that need to happen in Star Trek to progress the plot. And I love, I actually did love season three because uh-huh. it felt like Star Trek. The felt- other two seasons didn't; they felt like something I don't know what, but it didn't feel like Star Trek. Season three felt like Star Trek, and all of the characters were back in their element. And I think if the storyline would have started with something similar to season three, if that was season one, it would have progressed into something that was like, holy shit, Star Trek. Because it yeah. was like solid in the third season. But had they had that been the starting point, can't even imagine where they would have gone. I agree. Like with the the origin story is that 
um, Patrick Stewart wanted something that was specifically him, right? And that didn't bring back Next Generation was not a sequel to The Next Generation. Um, and the fact that Jonathan Frakes was a director on it, it was like, well, this is too good to just leave um, on the floor. We have to do a Riker and Troy episode. So that's why they had it. In season two, there were a lot of weird callbacks that kind of like didn't mean anything like wesley crusher comes back for a scene yeah like why completely uh completely out of nowhere here's what i god did he did he like he had ascended during what's called a traveler he's become a traveler but i thought like they hinted at something really interesting that the gary seven those people were the travelers which i was like oh that's really great did you guys read star trek year five the comic book series Mm-mm. super good they did a gary seven arc that was really 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 great and explained what gary seven was if people don't know gary seven was a backdoor pilot that gene roddenberry wrote as an episode of star trek that he was like trying to spin off star trek into this doctor who-esque other series and it was terry gar was um like the sidekick the companion oh. yeah have you ever seen that episode gary seven I mean, I had to have, but it didn't. Or it's uh, Operation Earth, I think is the name of the episode. Anyway, uh, it's an original series episode. But I think somewhere in the back of the minds of the season two writers, they wanted to tie the Travelers into the Gary Seven, whatever that was. And they just kind of biffed it. Like, it just didn't, it didn't connect. It didn't make any sense. They kind of half-assed telling that story. And... If you watch it again, you're like, oh, there is something you're trying to do with those disparate threads of Star Trek, but it doesn't come together. And I wish that... You know what it felt like was the last episode of Enterprise, which is like, like season two felt like the last episode of Enterprise because they were trying to tie in things that like, and it didn't make sense and it it felt rushed and weird. And it's like, what guys, what are we doing? Or the ending of Voyager where you find out that Seven and Chakotay were in a relationship. I'm but, leaving. You're like, you're starting this now? Now? <laughs> yeah. We're like, almost done. Can't bring out a new course now? Yeah. I I was bored by Picard season two, which I think is the biggest thing. I think yeah. that like, I, I think that media in and of itself, like the worst. I want to clarify, movie. we're talking about season two, not season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three was, was very exciting. There were a lot of great episodes. Right. Yeah. I have my issues with like the n- nostalgia fest of it. Uh, I wish that the changelings were the main villain, and they. Yeah. I like when a story follows the story that it starts. I like when a when a punchline matches the setup. Yeah. And sometimes I get what I call twist fatigue, where like stories really want to surprise you in some way, and you're like, "This wasn't necessary. I didn't need the mystery box. I didn't need yeah a big twist here. I could have just done with like." This is one of the things that I loved about Deep Space Nine. It sets up a villain. That's the villain. The yeah. twists are like people change alliances and all this stuff. But there's not like the secret was the cue the whole time. We fucking got you. Like there's no, no one's trying to get you. Like it's just yeah. this fucking story. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 no, I but yeah, season, season two bored me. I, I, I struggled through watching season two. Because I, I didn't watch it when it was coming out because it was so boring. Like I watched yeah. the first episode when it first premiered, and then I was like, I can't, I, I just can't. Uh, See, season the first th- two episodes, I was like, okay, where is this going? And by the third, yeah. I was like, get me out of here. Yep. Yeah. I season three, I liked, except for I'm just I'm tired of 
character X having a child. And now the child continues where character X left off. I yeah. don't like mm-hmm. that. And I haven't liked that since what I consider, what I always harken back to is Batman back in the old comics had like stories written by Alfred where it was out of continuity, where it was Bruce Wayne has a child. Robin raises Batman 2. The Joker has a child named Joker Jr. Now we got Batman 2 versus Joker Jr. And they're just like, and it's like, it's the same thing. Let them have a different life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars kind of did it too. Um, With like, okay, the Emperor's granddaughter versus... Luke Skywalker's nephew, but uh, it's just like I'm tired of that. So yeah, Picard I don't know. I super son... bought into the idea that that um, Beverly would raise a child for 20 years completely on her own and cut everyone off. I don't know that I super bought that, but like that's the story they wanted to tell. So I was like, let's let's yeah. go with it because you know I was a shipper of those two. Yeah. I thought they they had the. The thing and it's a little sad that I we wish Beverly would have stayed with the ghost personally. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we all do. I've heard about yeah. I've heard about that. That's but... the episode that everyone should watch. <laughs> Sub Rosa, that may become a Star Trek fan. Watch Sub Rosa. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird episode. But you know, you know what I, I realize when I realize they're in I... space Ireland. <laughs> they are the space Scotland or something. It, oh, wait. I've heard yeah, I've heard about that one. Okay. I think yeah. it is Scotland. Space Scotland. Space, space it's in Scotland. a castle, right? Yeah, uh, kind of like it? a manor. Oh, manor. Okay. It's like, like, like Beverly, the Crusher Manor or whatever. I call it a keep. That's right. But <laughs> I remember what I didn't like, like when I was like, I'm done with season two of Picard. And I, I want to preface this with, I think it is so important to address trauma. And I think it's so important to represent working through trauma in media and especially popular media like Star Trek. However, do I think that we had to um, be like, oh, well, they're acting this way because of trauma. That person's acting that way because of trauma. That per- Like, it got to the point where they met the spoilers, uh, where they met a guy in an interview room. And I was telling my husband, I was like, I bet we're going to l- learn about this guy's trauma. We get a fucking flashback to this guy's childhood as soon That's as right. I say that. Oh, and I yeah. was like... I can't I can't do this anymore. I've got my own shit to work through. I can't work through all of these character stuff. Not this much. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't done in, in a meaningful way is my main issue. But it was just like, oh, everybody's messed up, you guys. <laughs> I I also don't like the plot point of getting stuck in the past that's an actual like the 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 present, I guess or present-ish, I'm at, like, I don't know. It just was like, okay, so they get to it deal with iPhones. Like, yeah. cool. Like, what does Picard think about an iPhone? Like, I don't know. Right, care. and and the um, the metaphysics of it didn't track, like, just, you know, the stuff with Guinan where she didn't recognize Picard, even though they had met back in the 1800s. Yeah. It just, it just didn't track, and then there was the thing about the punk on the bus, that like if he does remember Kirk and Spock coming into the, uh, do you know what we're talking about, Dimitri? The punk in, on the in, bus who was like, in, "Oh, don't don't fuck with me, my neck." That was a callback to Star Trek Four, where this, that same actor who was a punk on the bus got Vulcan nerve pinched by Spock. I didn't. I've seen both, but I didn't. I didn't put the two you together. Didn't put that together. I mean, it's just if the if one is true, the other can't be true. So like, it just was stupid. 
and it was fan servicey. Uh -huh. And yeah. I think that it's okay to not have that in your personal continuity. It's mm -hmm. okay just to be like, they'll reference it if they need it, but otherwise it just kind of didn't happen. Yeah. I don't, um, let's get off of Picard season, <laughs> Picard, um, lower decks. I'm a fan. I love it. I love it. I they're love do, how they're doing a live action crossover coming up. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. I, that's wild to me. That is I the love wildest that thing. So many, um, lower decks people are comedy people from our community who are, they're yeah. all UCB people and. So it's really cool uh, to see Star Trek being done. I think it's the closest thing to me doing Star Trek, right? It's, it's, it's my friends are on it. People who have a similar relationship to Star Trek are on it. They're making fun of um, of the fun things. And it is the thing we were talking about when we were talking about Next Generation, that it's just such comfort food. And it's just like, these characters feel the way about Star Trek that I feel about Star Trek. And maybe that's a little bit meta, and I get why some people would not be super into that, but um, it really is the story of people who's... It's, we were talking about Data's Day, right? Like, that's the main story of every uh, Lower Decks episode. Like, hey, we're going to get together and play a Klingon RPG today. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure something Jordy and Data did. You know, and we just never saw it, right? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I love yeah. day in the lives of characters that normally don't have days in the lives, right? Like, or franchises or, you know, premises. Like, I want to know, like in X-Men, I want to know what the kids are up to. Just like, what are X-Men up to on their days off? Some of the yeah. cool uh, issues of X-Men is like, they play baseball, baseball. or basketball or whatever. And like, like we just kind of see like, what is it like when Nightcrawler plays a sport? You know, I was does just it, talking about this particular because I've been going back and reading the Chris Claremont stuff and the Claremont stuff has very, very little of that. Like every episode is very plot, plot, plot yeah. in a good way because obviously he's the legend, but my X-Men era is the Scott Lobdell, Fabian Nicieza, mm. like early to mid 90s where you know you have a big event like an executioner song and then the next four issues are talking issues we're gonna have a conversation between scott and cable because yeah. they need to work out the fact that he's his son from the future like we're gonna work through that for an issue you know um right. one of my favorite issues of x-men is uh iceman taking rogue home to meet his parents you know and mm. uh it's just like such a beautiful like it's just it's just them on a road trip. And I think the B story of that issue is um, is Psylocke and uh, and Warren going on a date and being like, can we do this without a bunch of like clones and murder and supervillains? And they're like, yeah, maybe we could just fall in love just like normal people. And it's just such yeah. a beautiful issue because just just the, some of that good old fashioned soap opera, you know? It's funny because TikToks, a lot of like TikTok stuff is is a surmise like like surmising maybe uh, is that the word Sur I'm, I'm thinking surmising but i say the sentence that that it's tiktok content creators surmising like what is the favorite dessert of all their favorite characters yes if Love it's it. never been if it's never been explicitly stated like what are these favorite desserts just random things for some reason as a longtime fan i like learning those things or I think learning. surmising is the correct word, by the surmising way. Surmising is, is right, sure. Okay. Um, 
Yes, it is. Suppose that something is true without having evidence to confirm it. Surmising. Um, so uh, wh what was I saying? Uh, so lower, about lower decks, decks, I think. lower decks does kind of like that. Like even though they're not like uh, they're lo specifically lower decks characters, I want to know what they do on their day off. I want to know how they feel about X, Y, and Z. And I think that's kind of the joy of lower decks. There it was doesn't an have episode... to be high stakes. Yeah, there was an episode of TNG. I, I forget what it's called, but Picard goes to Risa and you get to see him just as kind of like a boring vacationer for a minute. It gets more exciting. But the, seeing our characters that we love just doing kind of the monotony of everyday life or, or something that's very normal brings us so much closer to them because it's like, oh, like I know what that's like. And it's really nice to see them experience it too. It takes away a, a bit of the mystery, but in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. I mean, I think one of the wonderful things about Star Trek is it invites you to imagine what it would be like to live in that world, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's so many Star Trek characters and like there's so many, every ship has so much crew. You don't have to be Luke Skywalker. The question is like, I could be a yeoman on a ship or I could be an engineer or whatever on a ship. What would, what would my life be like? And having those moments where you see like, you know, uh, Dabo tournament or whatever you're like yeah this is what daily life would be it would be doing yeah. tai chi with the uh, wharf or whatever you know yeah it's the fun of all that is it is it bad that i just i want to know which characters are hooking up that we don't see like that, that is the screen? most important thing i want to know all all of that business yeah uh, i do assume they're all hooking up that's i would randomly be mm. like computer where is this person okay computer where is yeah because it answers you it tells you <laughs> Does it really? No, yeah, you're right. There's That's no a secret, big, uh, privacy violation. Yeah. Well, but I'm a chismosa, so I, 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 I just will find things out within the parameters of the way that I'm able to For sure. um, without breaking protocol. Yeah. Right. If this you got a marauder's map, you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would want to know who's hooking up to. Who do you guys who do you guys think is hooking up that we never see hook up? Ooh. I think Jedzia before she met Worf was just well, it's canon that she was like going on dates with like everyone. So she was hooking up all over the place. But never with Julian. No. She wouldn't cross that line. Julian was Julian wanted it too much. He did. He wanted it too badly. If he had just been chill. He could have been with Judzia many times. He could have been with the worm. He well, well, she even admitted like if Worf hadn't have come along, right. Julian would have, been, would have been the one. But I think the thing is, she didn't want to ruin their friendship, and he was still too like eager. He was too um, eager. So it would right like, the had it, yeah, had it gone sideways, it would have ruined her their friendship, and I think she valued that too much. <laughs> that got a lot deeper than I I, I thought it was going, but no, it's true. No, that was perfect. <laughs> no pun yeah. intended. Uh, but uh wait did Worf Indiana did Worf Indiana ever they, like actually yeah, definitely knock the boots for sure okay yeah. cool cool, yeah. cool 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 but they yeah. were just I think they were more friends with benefits and they did date briefly they tried it and it just clearly it just didn't work. Yeah. yeah um I hate to get into the nitty-gritty about Klingon physiology but two dicks do they I talked about this at length on another podcast actually <laughs> no length. again no pun intended at lengths <laughs> at, at lengths okay so here's my opinion <laughs> i'm so sorry 
there's a scene in Discovery where a Klingon is peeing on a wall and you can see t- clearly two streams and you see them land on the wall. It canon. There are at least two holes from which urine exits. I'm two urethras. Yeah. T- well, we, yeah. We don't know about two. Um, well, two, well, it could be one diverging urethra. Could be. Yeah. So, so, th- and okay. that is actually my theory. Um, I think, I actually think they have one penis. <laughs> With multiple holes. Like a flute. With two, yeah, with two holes. One like an ocarina. And one that goes up. Um, yeah. In, in order to ensure the, for t- the, the insemination of a Klingon female. <laughs> well, because maybe, yeah. So that's my theory. The other theory is that they have two, which that could be fun as well. However, is it a physiological thing in order to procreate as Klingons or is it just for fun butt stuff? Well, well, we do know that uh, Klingons have backup organs, right? That's true. They have two sets of hearts, two sets of lungs, right? Yeah. Um, that's from uh, the episode where Worf um, gets paralyzed. How do they hold all the organs? How do, do they have all... four balls then? Well, we're not doubling everything. What if they right? have one big ball? One big ball. Like a Are you regretting inviting me on here? This no, is I mean, why Gabrielle Union was excited to play Klingon. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Gabrielle Union was a Klingon on Deep Space Nine. You have to watch Deep Space Nine. I do love Gabrielle Union. Um, yeah. Y'all, I was trying to behave myself. And for the who, record... Who was asking you to? <laughs> I didn't bring it up. <laughs> Look, it's all about our comfortability, and that's okay. Um, that's I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm. I just typed in uh Klingon penis into you're going I'm on a to, list <laughs> I'm trying to see well we're okay we're assuming that the two penises are the same size one could be a sexual penis and the other could be yeah, like a fun. yeah a, well a smaller let's just say like a clit. vibrating one just for the clit like a like a clit a clit sized a clit similar like it's yeah. uh the whole thing is in the shape of like the bunny or the, the whatever the rabbit. rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, because we're, we're thinking in the, there's different ways that this could this could be a thing, you know, um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see what the female changeling is doing behind me. She's handling a Klingon penis. One, for... <laughs> or yeah, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I mean, one one what we don't know what the female Klingon physiology is, right? Right. That has not been mentioned. Right. However, they do seem to only have two breasts. So, which is, so maybe external things, there there is only one set or whatever. Maybe there's like, if if they go down, they only have two. uh, If there's an infection, there's like tissue to like replace that. If there's like an infection or something. Or maybe they have smaller teats going all the way down. Yeah. Six mm. six nipples. Wait, have we ever seen Somebody... Klingon midriff? No. Not to my knowledge. We We've have seen bo- Bolanas, but s- she's half human. We've seen Boob Window. The Duras sisters have shown us Boob Window. Okay. Oh, hell yeah. And Jadzia's wedding dress? It's true. Yeah. She's not a Klingon, but... Yeah. I... <laughs> Interesting. Uh, similar but different. When what's his name in Discovery ends up being a Klingon in disguise. I like that whole thing. 
but I don't understand how that all works. Well, it's just we've seen it before with Klingons. I mean, it's exactly what Lauren brought up before, the the idea that, like, oh, those are Klingons, that, that TNG Klingons look different, or DS9 Klingons look different from original series Klingons. Um, this shows sort of the first version of what that surgery would have looked like. Like, we know that guy, Arn Darvin, from the Tribbles episodes, was a Klingon who uh, was surgically altered to look human. And we have, like, there's a comic book um, that kind of delves into his background that he was always, like, a shorter Klingon. So he was, like, never considered for the warrior class because he was so diminutive. And so he was, like, a, a perfect candidate to become this um, human spy. Um, but, yeah, it was so brutal the way they did that on Discovery, showing, like, what the surgery would be like and how scary it was. And, um, yeah, I just thought they did it so well. And, obviously, the humans looked a lot different from the Klingons. Uh, in Discovery, like... Yeah. But, you know, it's what I was saying before. I think the the purpose of making Klingons and Discovery look so different and so wild was to make it look more alien than we'd ever seen before. Because any yeah. Klingons we had ever seen are like, okay, they're kind of like us. They have these ridges. They're warriors. Whatever. But the Klingons on Discovery were so unrecognizable to, like, anything we have in terms of society or life. So, have, you know, having them be, like, you know, reptilian and a little bit xenomorphy and, you know, all of those things, I thought was really an interesting take on it. And I thought it made that moment where he's like going through surgery. I thought it made it feel more visceral. It was gruesome. Yeah. Gruesome. Yeah. Honestly, I laughed at ridged for your pleasure, but that's just, I mean, just me. that if we know anything about Klingon penises, they, they are definitely ridged. I mean, I don't know that, but in, but we know it's it fucking <laughs> and so are Bajoran penises, by the way. Yeah. What are Bajoran penises like? They gotta be ridged, right? Probably humanoid, but they have nose ridges. So we can assume... Oh, so it's just a little, just a little. Sometimes that's enough. I, I hate to bring up actual human physiological it's motion of the ocean. But it's on the frenulum. Yes, it's on the bottom, yeah. Could be. But you know Bajoran clitorises might be on the bottom. Oh, that's true. Wait, that's not where human ones are? Uh-oh. Oh, no. You need to spend be... a little... I, I never I'm recommend joking. this, but you might need more time on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to do my research. I didn't know we were... I had to research that to be talking Star Trek, so, yeah. you know. Well, like um, I said in the beginning, Star Trek encompasses everything about humanity. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's interesting that Star Trek is very progressive very you know sexually free uh, mm -hmm. orientation and, and representation and whatnot um x-men is catching up x-men has decided that because they live forever and they're on their own island who's to say they have to like deal with the norms of yeah know? but uh x-men's always been pretty horny too yeah but like publicly horny they are publicly horny it's it's always been subtext but it's pretty horny like Chris Claremont loved himself some uh, bondage gear. I mean, do you remember the Hellfire Club? Yeah, the Hellfire yeah. Club is a real thing. It's like based on a real, yeah, it's based oh. on a real thing. It's based on an episode of the 60s Avengers show where Emma Peel went and was dressed like uh, like Emma Emma Frost. Mm. Oh, that is that where Emma Frost came from? Yeah, it came from Emma oh. Peel on that episode of uh, the okay. Avengers. And they go to the Hellfire Club. 
Um, I mean, that's pretty early on in the Claremont yeah. run. It's like, but, oh yeah, this is all just about how horny people are. <laughs> and like right. the the well, mutant it's, powers it's, as an allegory for um for for puberty and not being able to control your urges. I mean, yeah. one of the main characters of the Claremont thing is Rogue and her whole thing is just like, I'm so horny, but I can't touch anyone. I mean, yeah. I, I Lauren, I don't know how caught up you are on X-Men comics, but there's a summer family house, a summer's family house on the on the moon where everybody gets their own room and Wolverine and Cyclops have rooms that connect to Jean Grey's room. They're in a thruple, like it's kind of Wait. official. It's on page. It's they they yeah, they literally they hang out a lot as a as a yeah. I need to read them now. Wolverine and Scott are no longer mad at each other because they're fucking they're working together in them. You know what? I love that for them. And I'm There's so a happy lot for me on. now. Mm-hmm. There's a I lot. I haven't read those comics since I was a kid. And they were oh. different back then. They were. I'm going to get you back on the X-Men, uh, uh, the X-Men stuff. Because I love what Well, you already did me. with that one. Just... They... I'll give you a reading list. That's fine. Yeah, for sure. The Krakoa <laughs> well, era is. But you have to watch Deep Space Nine. Expeditiously. Deal. I, I, I will. I will. Yeah, I'll make that trade. I'll start a watch party with you if you want to do like do, you have, do Space Nine Club. I want to. I want to be oh, there. You want in? Let's do are it. You talking, yeah. Are you talking to me? Because yeah. all of us so much to sign up for. Uh, I mean, uh, one or two episodes a week. That's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. it's so much fun. Uh, the best of all Trek. Get to hang out with this with this hottie. I I've only seen pictures. I don't know who they are. Oh, these are the founders. No, 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 no. Oh, one second. Okay. Okay. Well, you'll you'll learn. I guess I, I'll learn in D Space Nine. Uh, we'll talk about it. Maybe we make uh we make something out of it. Make some content. I don't know, but we'll figure we'll figure something out. Um, as we as we wind things down um for this episode, um, we're gonna talk about comics. <laughs> oh, let's talk about comics. Um, well, actually, you guys talk about your Deep Space Nine for like. A little bit. Uh, I'll be right back. Oh, I don't know. What, what can I tell? Can I tell you about the comics about what's going on in Star Trek comics right now? Sure, but I will preface this with the only Star Trek comic I have actually read was the uh, TNG Doctor Who crossover. Oh, cool! Did you like that? I did because yeah. at the time I was like a big Whovian. Not so much any. I still love it, but I, I'm not caught up. But I was so excited to see the Doctor on the Enterprise. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, here's what's going on in Star Trek comics, everybody. Oh, boy. So, do you know who Heather Antos is? Heather Antos is a comic book editor. She was brought on by Disney six-ish years ago to make the Star Wars comics at Marvel line up with Star Wars movies and make, like, the Star Wars comics line. Um, I have heard about uh, her, but I'm not super familiar. So IDW, the the comic book company that owns, that has the license to like pretty much everything. They have Star Trek, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, Thundercats. They have like every licensed uh, thing that's not Marvel or DC is IDW. So they poached Heather Antos and she started a Star Trek line. So there are right now, I want to say three regular titles and some miniseries. Uh, so there is a Lower Decks um, 
uh, adaptation is written by Ryan North, who was the creator of Squirrel Girl, or the, the main writer of Squirrel Girl, if you know that character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of the books is being written by Christopher Cantwell, who was the producer of Halt and Catch Fire, okay. uh, the producer and writer of that, and also uh, just finished like a really great uh, Iron Man run and is currently writing like Hellcat and a bunch of other good stuff. Mm -hmm. And the other book is the main Star Trek book that is written by uh, this this writing team called Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly. And they just finished a um, a really great like Captain America run, but they're writing the main Star Trek books. And the Star Trek books are both the two main ones, Star Trek and Star Trek Defiant, are really mashup crews. So the Star Trek book is captained by Cisco. He's this is takes place um, pre Nemesis, but uh -huh. post post the end of Voyager. So Cisco has come back from the wormhole. Uh, his crew is like Data, Crusher, uh, some original characters. Um, uh, Shax is on the ship from Lower Decks. Uh, it's really good. And on Defiant, and on Defiant, it's captained by Worf, and his first officer is mm -hmm. Spock. And um, Balana is on the ship, and uh, and Lore, so Lore is their computer, and they have to like fight. The, they have to like keep their computer like under wraps because it's Lore. They have to like uh, make sure he doesn't, you know, go crazy. But yeah. they're doing all this stuff in tandem with the actual writers' rooms, so they're trying to make it fit. Like obviously, the only things that are technically in continuity are whatever's on screen. But the books are really good, and right now they are starting a. Um, multi multi title crossover called uh, called Day of Blood. So the uh, you know the Kales clone, yeah, the of the Empire or the Emperor of the Empire has decided to make war on all gods. So the Klingon, so he is like fighting against like the crystalline entities and the travelers and the Q and he's so this is like the main story that's going on in Star Trek comics. Yeah, go read Star Trek comics. It's I, I will. That's wild. That's so intense. It's so intense. And so much of it is so good. And the fact that they have Christopher Cantwell writing this book, I need that man to get his own Star Trek show, like, toot sweet. It needs to happen right now. Wait, is there, like, an app? Do, do you get the physical copies, or do you have, like, one of the apps? Uh, am I allowed to say how I get my comics? Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to say. We'll um, talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But there, there are but multiple ways to support the comic book industry. Um. And especially if you want to support Star Trek comics going forward, uh, you can find your local comic shop at comicshoplocator.com. Yes, um, that is a, a comic shop near you. There are also some Amazon Comixology. Comixology uh, is good. Comixology option. thing. Star Trek is different because Star Trek is neither DC nor Marvel. So it is what, IDW? Is that it's IDW, saying? yeah. And that's, See, that's a little bit tougher. Wondering. That's a little bit tougher. You well, know? that'll be on Comixology. Would that be on? Okay. So, that would be on comicology. I I have a comic book shop that I can order. Yeah. Two. So. And everything yeah. is being collected. One of the really great recent series that they did in Star Trek, just before Heather Antos came back uh, onto the uh, to to be the group editor, is they did this series, or maybe it was her first series, was Star Trek Year Five, and it was such an amazing way to do a Star Trek comic. So it was the original series. It was Kirk and Spock in that crew, but it was the space between. It was the last year of the original five-year mission, kind of leading into the movie era, the uh, the motion picture era. Mm -hmm. um, so it bridges that gap. I think it's 24 issues. It's really, really good, but it was written by a committee. It was written by a writer's room. So it included 
Colin Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig. It included Jody. Um, why am I forgetting her name? Um, Foster. No. Uh, <laughs> but it included. Uh, it was a whole writers room. Everyone got to do their own individual issues, but like it was written as a group, and there were so many great character moments for like Chekhov and Sulu and Uhura, and they had they brought on. Uh, a Tholian onto the crew, so you like learn a little bit about the Tholians, which we never have. It was a really great yeah. series, Star Trek Year Five. I highly, highly recommend it. And that's all in that's all been collected here. I can, do I have one? Yeah, I am going to get into them because the uh, first one that you were telling me about that's this is right the, up my alley. This is the first collection of Star Trek Year Five. Hold it, uh, hold it in front of your chest, and then move your your body forward. Oh, I've <laughs> seen that cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you see a really beautiful artwork, obviously, and yeah. Nice. Um, what is the comic that's the Dog of War? I keep seeing it. Oh, yeah, so that's one of the miniseries they're doing. So they're also doing a bunch of miniseries. So they have the Deep Space Nine miniseries um, where Cork uh, is smuggling a corgi. It's it's very um, it's very cowboy bebop in that way. Like the corgi ha like has secrets, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like the whole crew of Deep Space Nine falls in love with the dog as of you, course as you do. Um, and so it's and including Quark, so he doesn't want to sell the dog to like these evil Orion pirates or whatever. So it's uh, it's been a really fun series, and the artwork on it is is really really great. But they do miniseries all the time. Like they just did, they just finished a miniseries that was a tie-in to the latest Star Trek video game. I don't know if you guys are playing that. I, what's it called? Star Trek Resurgence or something? But they did the prequel to that, and that was pretty good. Yeah, there's just really good stuff going on in Star Trek comics right now. And this um, this Day of Blood uh, crossover that's coming in the next few months, <clears throat> It is they're billing it as like the very first time Star Trek has had like a multi-series crossover. That is not true. In the 1990s, they had something called Telepathy War, which crossed over Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, and the Starfleet Academy comics. So that was like the first one, but this is gonna be really cool. So everyone's gonna be fighting against Kalos. So that's gonna that should be really fun. Yeah. Okay. Um where Read is... comics, everybody. Comics are good. <laughs> There's a comic out there for everybody. Like no matter your fandom, like that that's what I try to even though I focus on DC and Marvel, uh there are a lot of independent comics, there's a lot of third party comic companies yeah. that are also just producing comics based on old old properties. There's a new Darkwing Duck comic, there's a new Gargoyles comic, uh, in case you were fans of the TV like the, Those are both dynamite, the day. Right? Uh are you reading, by the way, 007? Philip uh Philip for, Kennedy Johnson. For King and Country, I think, or something. Um so, yeah, uh I have not Myrmidon no, or something. Not the new run, no. But there's like things for all these movies, all these things. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Rick and Morty has a comic. Like everything that you love out there has a comic. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which helps support the comic shops because even if you just like Rick and Morty, don't be an asshole because a lot of Rick and Morty fans are. Don't be jumping up asking for Szechuan sauce. But like, uh, go get your Rick and Morty comic. There's, I think, two Rick and Morty comics, I think. And it's like yeah, oh. and I think it's being written by uh, some people we know. I think Alex Ferrer is is writing one of them. So it's really it's it, support our friends. Go. Yeah. Are we talking like our LA friends? Yeah, our LA friends. Yeah, our LA friends. A LA friends sounds like ally friends. And anyway, our ally um, friends. 
uh yes uh star trek comics and there's a comic out there for everybody um where what what's coming up with star trek what do we got to look forward to because um it's 2023 right now and like sure plans change but like are we still getting another kelvin timeline movie i don't think so honestly i haven't heard like even any rumors about anything like that um honestly i think I I think that brand, not that brand, but that style, uh, is your audio. Sorry. Uh, oh, did your audio you... get Gil? Did you catch that or no? Was that just me? I, I heard her. Yeah. It's me. Okay. Give me, sorry. Hello. Sorry. Give me one sec. I can see you guys. What is going on here? My computer. And we can see you. Yep. Oh my God. I have so many comics to read you guys. Oh, I wonder if it's coming through on. Um, what is going on? Sorry, give me, give me a. We stayed on too long because we are having the most fun, and now technology doesn't want us to. There it is. It's my headphones. It wasn't even. It wasn't an internet connection or anything. It was my headphones. Sorry. Uh, continue. What were we saying? Oh, it's okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it wasn't you. It was me. Oh. Um. It's not you. It's me. The style of like the Kelvin universe and discovery, I don't think is going to be the focus of Star Trek moving forward. Um, I think honestly, because I, I hate to say this, but I think it might be a part to do with like Marvel fatigue and like the grand scale battles and fights and things like that. I think viewers are starting to get tired of that. So we're scaling back into more intimate um, styles of, of oh television. God, that would be great. Yeah. Like Strange New World. It's, yeah. It's pulled back. You know, the battles are still great, um, but it focuses on the the people and the characters. And I think that's what it's going to be moving forward. Um, I think we might be done with the hearkening back so much to and bringing in old characters uh, because we, we got a lot of that in Picard season three. So I think moving forward, it's going to be new characters, but within the same like comforting settings of of you know the the trio of of deep space nine voyager and tng i think they're going to focus on moving toward that kind of vibe in the future but that's just speculation so well here are the things that we do know we know mm -hmm. that there is a section 31 television movie coming with Mm -hmm. michelle yo that's all they could get her to commit to which it's fair She's yeah. an Oscar winner now. Platform. She's got yeah. other things to do. She doesn't need Star Trek, but <laughs> the fact that they have her is very exciting. Uh, we know that they've started the writer's room already for the um, Starfleet Academy series. And what we know about that is that takes place in the 31st century. So that is sort of um, contemporary with Discovery as Discovery ends. Oh. So Starfleet Academy is going to be a little bit more of a spinoff of Discovery. And I think Tilly's going to be a character on that. That's my okay. understanding. But it would focus um, more on the people. I think. I hope so. I think Starfleet Academy is a really like fertile um, ground because you know I've, there have been two different Starfleet Academy comic book series and at least one book series, um, and I think it's a it's a great venue for storytelling about the future. And I think you know as we know from X Men, when you tell stories through the lens of a young person, you know especially someone who's like college age, high school age like, you know, the emotions of it can be a lot more intense. So I, I expect a lot of good things from that. Um, we know that Discovery is ending, sadly. We know that Prodigy is ending for now. Uh, let's, 
you know, everybody please hashtag save prodigy because the kids deserve their Star Trek too. And I think they deserve more than a single season. I, it's crazy to me that you would, they were already in production on season two and you would end it now. That's, that seems nuts to me personally. Golden timeline. Last I heard was all this, the Quentin Tarantino stuff. And they're like, those rumors keep popping up every once in a while. And I yeah. doubt it will happen at this point. There's always but, a rumor that he's going to direct anything in any franchise. So yeah. I don't put too much stock. I don't in want him to personally. I don't want him to either. I mean, in I love any franchise. Him, like yeah, let him I, do his one shots. I'm okay yeah. with it. I agree. Um, the, the big idea for the last Star Trek, the Star Trek four was supposed to be, they were going to bring Chris Hemsworth back as yeah. Kirk's father and do a crossover. Cause obviously Chris Hemsworth is a big star, but then they couldn't afford him and good. That's well, not- now it's also different because of his, um, his, uh, they found that he has a, uh, uh, potential to get a genetic disease. Right. Um, he might have a degenerative disease, right? Yeah. Or he has yeah. the. You're right, the potential. So yeah. uh, he might not want to do those kind of movies anymore anyway. I would love to see that cast together again. I just, I really liked Beyond, and I think the failure of Beyond means that they probably wouldn't do a story like Beyond again. Uh, I think Beyond is the best of those films because it feels the most Star Trekish to me, meaning like it's about a team working together for a common goal, and it's the most ensemble-y of those movies. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see another one with that. Uh, cast, but I'm not going to hold my breath. But I think we can be grateful that, you know, the JJ movies are what rebooted Star Trek. The reason we have the Star Trek we have, the reason we have Alex Kurtzman in charge and all the stuff that we have is because of the success of those movies. That is true. I think we can be grateful. And that's why I'm thankful for every single piece of Star Trek media out there because it's going to give somebody something or it's going to lead to something else. So, that's right. yeah. I needed that bombastic epic approach to Star Trek for me to really like dip my toes in. Yeah. Um, like that beginning scene with Chris Hemsworth in uh like on the Kelvin in the first Star That's Trek. one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen. I mean, I to be in the first five minutes to make you cry, like just incredible. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, okay, all right, that's how like make me cry prove you can make me cry that you know emotions you know like you can you can handle doing that i think it's interesting and i think gil would probably have some opinions about uh start the start what i'm saying the star trek renaissance is seems to be coinciding a lot with the superman renaissance and both franchises are leaning back into hopeful uh hopeful adventure i agree it, about legacy about hope about inspiration we need it. Have yeah. you guys checked out um, My Pal Superman or whatever that? My like... Adventures of Superman. I just watched the first two episodes. I can't, like, I haven't started recommending it. I'm about to get on the train of recommending it. It's on, I'm, I'm uh, on it's on Max. It's on Max right now. It's so cute. It is I think... action-packed and has heart. I, I agree. I thought Superman and Lois was fantastic. Um, I'm really heartbroken that this third truncated third season is only going to have, like, a few of the cast members back? Only four cast members, right? No, no, no. It's the fourth season. No. No, you're right. It is the third season. Yeah, you're right. Uh, whatever whatever yeah. last season it's going no, to be. The they're, next season is the final season. They're giving it one last truncated 10-episode season, but they are firing about seven people. 
They are, it is going to be a much smaller cast, much smaller budget, and I don't know what that means because the show is very much about the family. And it's not like it was a giant cast to begin with. Like, everyone yeah. has a purpose. Everyone does something. Um, I will say, because you guys are both Doctor Who people, I've always talked about Superman in terms of that he's very much like Doctor Who and that a great Superman story fully relies on the supporting cast. A great Doctor yeah. Who story is a great companion yeah. story, right? Yeah. And, great, and a great Superman story is a great Lois Lane story or a great Perry White story or a great Jimmy Olsen story. And I think that Superman and Lois really understood that because a great Superman story is going to be a great Jonathan Kent story or a great, you know, Lana Lang story or whatever. And the exact same thing with uh, My Adventures with Superman. Clearly the main characters are Lois and Jimmy and Superman is their pal who's, who's going to save them, right? Yeah. Because the question is like, we know Superman is invulnerable. Superman is not going to get hurt. We are scared that Lois is going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. As long yeah. as we love Lois, that's what we care about. You know, she and, is uh, she is too damn cute. Like she's great. And this last season of yeah. Superman and Lois, that they did this whole cancer storyline. Mm. I mean, they did it so much better than the Thor movie did, right? Yeah. Um, and it was just, it's a little like the CW version of that. Like, you know, they ring the bell on the top of the roof and they go, screw cancer. Cause they can't say fuck on the CW. It's yeah. very tweeb, but like it, everything was, everything was resonant. Everything really worked. And those cancer episodes were, I thought were really stellar for a CW show. I was very yeah. happy with all of it. Yeah. I think it's interesting that our franchises are moving in that direction. Um, I don't know whether it has to do with the zeitgeist of just life in our life in general, like in real world. Well, what is, yeah. Um, Maybe. I mean, do, how did you feel? Um, I mean, do you, do you assume that the Superman legacy movie is going to be an adaptation of uh, truth, justice in the America or what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way? Uh, you mean with the authority instead of the elite? Yeah. Uh, it's possible. That's my oh, I, I have faith. I have faith in, in James Gunn. Yeah, me too. Doing it. Uh, and the casting, uh, uh, I thought it was safe, but but uh, strong. Safe but strong casting choices with uh, Superman and Lois. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, but the Superman comics, it. all the different super-related comics are amazing. They're just all really good Philip now. Philip Kennedy Johnson is one of my very favorite writers now. His War World saga, I am getting that omnibus. That is like, yeah. an, that omnibus looks amazing. I'm getting the whole thing. Oh, I can't wait to reread it. And um, It's uh, going to be considered in in however long the one of the best Superman stories of all time. Like, I hope so. I think it deserves it. And yeah. who's who's writing the Jamal Idol series, the one with the beautiful art? What's the name of the guy? Which one? What, what series? I don't know. Uh, Superman. Oh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I want to say Jeremy Adams, but I know it's not Jeremy Adams. It's funny, uh, Michael oh, Dorn. Josh, William, Josh Williamson. Yeah. Josh, Joshua Williams? Joshua Williamson, yeah. Williamson? Joshua Williamson, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he, Michael but Dorn writing. is writing the Steel comic. Michael uh, Dorn is writing Steel, by the way. Mike, wait, Mike, Michael, Mike. No. Yeah, War. My Michael Dorn. Yeah, you're Michael, yeah, you're Michael Dorn. Dorn. He's writing yeah. Steel, which is a character he voiced on the cartoon, you know? I didn't and know I, that. Okay. I've never known that he actually wrote. He, I've never seen anything he's written. Yeah. And I know comics take a long time to produce, but the press tour for Picard season three was the first time I've ever like really seen him 
speak about himself and his history and the racism he experienced in the eighties and working on chips and all of that stuff. And like, I didn't know how smart he was. I was like, okay, you know, he's an actor. I'm sure he's great. But like, I didn't know that he was that smart a guy. And I'm really excited to see where he's going with steel because the first couple of issues have already been great. Yeah. Yeah. Also, two issues are out. If you want two issues, to really look Lauren, go read steel. It's, steel. it's super good. It's called steel works. Steel works. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's also, a, Oh, well, of course you guys would know about it, but gargoyles has so many of the TNG characters voicing. Yeah. yeah. Or TNG actors voicing characters in that. Yeah. Well, because um, um, Jonathan Frakes voices Xanatos, right? The mm. main villain in Gargoyles. I think so. And, and Marina Sirtis is the other main villain, Demona. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. And then they bring in all these then, other yeah, people. Yeah, like, Patrick other does a bit. Brent Spiner is in it. Yeah. Uh, everyone does something. Brent Spiner is, is he Puck? I think he's is Puck. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how like different random things get related in that way mm-hmm. yeah you know. oh and in the real world for star trek next month in august is uh star trek las vegas which i'm not attending unfortunately but oh. yeah it's a huge convention for trekkies and trekkers as some people prefer to be called and i miss the uh star trek experience in vegas Did i you never that? got to go no uh, so I'm I'll tell you going to Vegas coming up soon, but just not when Star Trek Star Trek Las Vegas is happening. So I'll tell you a quick story before we all wrap up, uh, yeah. you know, depending on uh, Dimitri's yeah. schedule. But uh, I went to see the Vegas experience with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we were just in Vegas and I was like, well, we got to go visit this thing. And I went to Cork's bar and we had like a warp core breach and all that. And they had like characters walking around as like different Star Trek aliens. So there's a Klingon and she was like, not a big nerd, but she like got a kick out of seeing me get excited about nerd stuff. So she's like, oh, we got to take a picture with the Klingon. You got to take a picture with the Ferengi. And like, we're sitting there and we're eating, having our stuff. And she sees me like visibly tighten up. She's like, are you all right? Do you want to take a picture with that one? I'm like, I don't want to take a picture with that guy. And she looks at him. She's like, are you afraid of the Gorb? And I'm like, first of all, it's the Borg. <laughs> and you weren't there. You weren't at 359. You weren't at Wolf 359. You didn't see what happened. You would be afraid of the Gorb too. The Gorb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny because um, longtime friend, of the Keeg, uh, Steve Biggs, who Gil has done a Star Trek episode with. Steve um, used to be my professor in college, and then we just became friends after. He's a, a theater geek. He was a Klingon in Star Trek Experience. Like, that oh, was one yeah. of his jobs. And his, I might have a picture with him. <laughs> you might. I mean, uh, his Klingon name was Kraalk Tanek. And it's Clark Kent backwards. Clever, clever. Because he's a big Superman fan also. By the way, is there a big tie-in between Superman fans and Star Trek fans? Is there like a... I could see what it would be because it's about optimism and it's about hope and it's about sort of an innate goodness of humanity. So I could see a crossover. I don't necessarily know if there's a specifically big crossover. I think in general, DC, Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars have a lot of threads that connect with yeah. the people who like them. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're a Marvel, you're a Star Wars. And if you're a DC, you might be a Star Trek. Eh. I don't I don't I don't buy that. Because I, I grew up that? DC I grew up DC and Star Wars. 
Okay. And like, and then I did my Marvel and then I learned Star Trek. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just the exception. I don't know. Um, but what's really cool about uh, uh, Star Trek and, and this 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 podcast and being able to talk about it is like that we're able to share the love of no matter what we're into in Star Trek, the different things um, that we're able to kind of come to a common ground of like Star Trek is worth experiencing in whatever medium, right? Yeah. I think it's it's nice that we can we can all share that. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show and taking time out of your day to be talking about Star Trek. Um, do you guys have any closing thoughts that you want to say out to the public? Because maybe I'll clip this uh, out to the public about just pitch pitch Star Trek. Anything? Oh. <laughs> Is Lauren scared or yeah, I think you short circuited anxious. No, I just have so much to say. Go for it. You Yo, get, no, thir- you you get 30 it. seconds. 30 seconds, a 30 second I'll, I'll for why somebody I, can jump into first. Star Trek. Um, Star Trek is the best thing. I don't know what else to tell you. If you're not convinced by now, you know. Um, Star Trek is about that we can make it, that all of this service, all of this pain that we're going through, all of the hardship of our everyday lives will amount to something because we will as a group figure out how to take care of each other that's it we we owe things to each other um we are beholden to each other and that i think is what star trek is all about it's about that if we stick together if we see past each other's differences and learn to celebrate each other that if that we can cooperate and become the humanity that we are meant to be and that we will be able to transcend to the stars and even and even beyond that that's what i think star trek is it's hopeful the stories are wonderful the characters are wonderful you know come for the great science fiction come for the characters but stay for the themes because the themes are are what bring you through um that's what i love personally about star trek i loved that um there's so much about humanity in Star Trek and so much that we can learn from that. And when you're able to look at it through the lens of Star Trek, you're able to apply it to your life and the people that you know and love and your experiences. And it does at times ask difficult questions that we may not have the answers to, but we learn about ourselves by thinking about those things and questioning what is going on in our world. And it offers such a unique perspective when it comes to the media that we're watching because it is all about how we can all work together to make a better now and a better future for ourselves as long as we work together and rely on our innate humanity and let that shine in everything that we do and in every encounter that we make. And... Star Trek is just such a beautiful and wonderful experience. You laugh, you cry. I cry more than others, <laughs> but it's so special and so pure. And I think everyone should give it a chance. Was it Rumpelstiltskin? Did Rumpelstiltskin make you cry? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but I have cried a lot <laughs> watching Star Trek. Buck Bokai made me cry. He talked about baseball in a romantic way. And I was like, yeah, baseball is nice, even though I don't give a shit about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> it made me care about baseball. Sometimes it's not about sharing the love with somebody. 
it's sh- like it's taking part in the love of something like Gil mentioned when when he was at you know Las Vegas like so just being with someone who is in love with this having the passion of it that's awesome you know sharing in that that's great um thank you guys so much uh for taking time uh out of your day you you both obviously love Star Trek I'm very happy that I got both of you um on this episode um before we get going where can we find you what do you got coming up anything you want to plug Gil I'll let you go first Sure. Uh, you can find me on all the things at G-J-B-A-R-O-N, G-J Baron. Um, my two shows that I'm doing right now, we have a monthly show at the um, at the Comedy Store. It's called Family Dinner with Jody Sweeten from Full House. So come get your Full House stuff signed if that's what you want to do. Uh, she's really lovely and it's a really good time uh, hanging out with one of your favorite TV stars. Um, the other show we do is called Pop Cultured with Jimmy Pardo. That's at the Lyric Hyperion, and the next one is going to be on the 28th. The tickets are already available. If you go to lyrichyperion.com, you will uh, see that show. That is a fun game show hosted by the great Jimmy Pardo from the Never Not Funny podcast. And um, we actually have a comic book that I'm not allowed to talk about, that they are so big we have a comic that is so huge i am literally not allowed to tell you who they are so this next one is a really special one to come see i definitely comedian comedian comic the comedian is what i'm talking about yeah 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 yeah. a very famous comedian who might have come out with a really interesting special recently uh who i am not allowed to say their name publicly uh but you should absolutely come see that show and it's gonna be a live show it's going to be a live in-person show. It will also be streaming, I believe, on Nowhere Comedy Club. You can get those tickets at NowhereComedyClub.com. Awesome. Awesome. Gil, you're always up to something. You you, you work very hard. Again, I'm happy that you were able to make this one. Thank you. <laughs> and Lauren, yes. where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Uh, so you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the Rose Explodes, but it's the underscore Rose underscore Explodes. Find me there. I'm also on Twitch as the Rose Explodes, all one word. And I do a D&D TTRPG, sometimes homebrew, sometimes Star Wars, sometimes Star Trek, sometimes horror uh, games on Long Lost Lore on Twitch. You can see me get up to some nonsense on there. Um, also, I will be going to LA Comic Con this year, which I think is in December. So, yeah. you know, obviously I'll be in a Star Trek cosplay there. So. Will you be dressed up as a Gorb? A Gorb. No, but fun fact, my dog's name is Jordy, after Jordy LaForge. But one of his nicknames is Gorby and the Gorbs. So, so my dog is Gorb. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, you weren't there. You weren't at Wolf 359. No, I literally was. Yeah, you were there. You were there. I, w- I was. I, I was having a flashback to me telling my ex-girlfriend. But... <laughs> uh, you weren't there. The Gorbs. The uh, Gorbs, they're everywhere. Don't make us go back. The Gorbs <laughs> are everywhere. I probably will be doing my uh, Jadzia from Trials and Tribulations, um, but I keep the spots. In in the, the show, she like gets rid of the spots with the dermaplaner or something. Uh, but I have the spots because I think they're cute. So that's what I'm up to. <laughs> You're hot. Uh, you guys are you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Also, just because I didn't get to say it, 
it was nice seeing Jordy LaForge's daughters in Picard yes. season three, and then also made me want to be Jordy LaForge's son-in-law. Oh, yeah. One yeah. way or another, one way or another, I'm going to marry into that family. I cried. <laughs> I cried about that. I, yeah. I was so happy about it. It was nice. It was, it was <laughs> nice to see them. I loved in interviews, like the three of them clearly actually bonded and they sort of adopted the actress that's not actually Mika Burton. I forgot her name, but they've sort of adopted her into the family, uh, which I think is very sweet. And, you know, the more I learn about these Star Trek actors through all these various podcasts they all have and um, different interview shows, the more I, I like them and like that they like each other. You know, they're just clearly they're just a bunch of actors. They're just a bunch of theater nerds. But they, as Star Trek as a franchise goes on, they are collecting more actors into their company and they clearly uh, all like each other. Some, They're a family. They are a family. I, I love the one that um, Connor Trenier is doing, the whatever that one is called, uh, the Shuttlepod show. I love the, this, this is, um, the Gates McFadden, the Investigates. That's really good. Um, the Seventh Rule, the Ciroc Lofton show is really fun. So uh, I know that the... Um, the, the Voyager guys also have their own show. So there's so many good Star Trek podcasts going. And then there's the official one with Tawny Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins. So we're, we're in a Star Trek podcasting renaissance as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, definitely if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out those podcasts. But if you're a fan of podcasts in general, The Key. You're going to yeah, want to find... Yeah, you know, um, if you're watching us live, you're watching us on twitch.tv slash the Keeg show or youtube.com slash the Keeg show, wherever you're listening to us or, or watching us, uh, like, comment, subscribe, click, follow, write a review, do your thing. We're, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, at least for the next month that Stitcher exists, because I think Stitcher is going under. Regardless, we were late on that train and we're, we'll ride it till the end and it's fine. Um... If you're on social media, you can follow the Keeg on social media. Uh, Instagram and TikTok are two biggest ones at the Keeg Show. But we're also on um, Facebook and you know Twitter for the time being uh, at the Keeg Show slash the Keeg Show. You can also find us on Threads at the Keeg Show or however you find things on Threads. I've yet to figure it out, but I'm posting. We're doing our thing. Um, hop on Threads. Get rid of Twitter. You know, one billionaire for another, but at least this one manages it better. Um, other than that, uh, if you want to give back to the show, patreon.com slash the Keaton show, find a donation tier uh, that works for you to subscribe to, to give back to the Keeg if you'd like to. Find a comic shop near you, because we're talking about Star Trek comics, comicshoplocator.com. Um, you just type in your zip code and you can find the comic shops near you. Um, other than that, this is the Keeg Talks. Today, it was about Star Trek. Next week, it'll be about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, because that comes out next week. So we're going to be talking about um, that and the franchise there. We also do Comic Talk every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. And we are doing the Secret Invasion After Show Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific. So we got a lot going on with the Keeg, but find us on TikTok and Instagram and keep track of all our schedules that way. Um, thank you, Gil. Thank you, Lauren, so much for being on this show. Once again, I'm your host, Demetra Carrera, and this has been the Keeg Talks Star Trek. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.
strong or super fast. Gotta beat.